We're going to move on to our fourth speaker, Dr. Maddie Jones, who is a junior doctor with a debilitating coffee addiction and a Lego collection that rivals your average eight-year-old. She can also crochet a mean beanie. Maddie. Game of Thrones is a bit of a cultural phenomenon at the moment, isn't it? Regardless of whether or not you've read the books or watched the show, you've probably still heard of the name Jon Snow. You might be thinking tussled locks, a fondness for redheads, and by all accounts, a bit of a medical miracle. But after tonight, I'd like you to instead think of another Jon Snow. This is a story about an epidemiologist and a very different Game of Thrones. But first, I have to apologise for those of you who aren't members of the fandom. There are approximately 57 references that you're not going to get. I encourage you to smile and then go home, climb out from under your rock, and settle in for 60 hours of dragons and gratuitous nudity. It's never too late to catch up. But now, to the hero of the piece, Jon Snow. He was born to working-class parents in York, England, in 1813. He was a bit of a pioneering fella. He was medically inclined and initially began his career as an apprentice surgeon. Importantly, this was a time when anaesthesia had not been developed and the patient experience was somewhat similar to that of Theon Greyjoy. As a young apprentice, he saw his first cases of cholera. But more of that later. John was a considerable overachiever. He accomplished both surgical and physician's fellowship. However, did he pay his debts? <laughs> By this time, he was living and practicing medicine in London. He dabbled in anesthetics and, in fact, pioneered the use of chloroform and ether as anesthetic agents. Later in life, he'd used chloroform for Queen Victoria during the births of her last two children, the success of which led to widespread use of anesthetic agents. And remember, as we've already heard, medicine in the 1800s was not exactly evidence-based. Headache? Try a frontal lobotomy. Feeling tired? Leeches. Disease transmission was poorly understood, and while the microscope had already been used to view red blood cells in as early as the 1600s, the concept of microbial pathogenesis was still a topic of considerable debate. And so Jon Snow was preoccupied with a mystery, cholera. Let me set the scene. London in the 1800s, not a pretty place. Sewage disposal was troublesome. Chamber pots were emptied with reckless abandon into the gutter closest to your back door. While the rich may have had the benefit of taking crossbows to the eye on their more modern drop pit loos, which subsequently drained into the rivers, the poor had no such option. If you were a street urchin, or a girl with no name, you might even drop trowel right where you stood. Shame. <laughs> but it wasn't just the smell. Cholera was the scourge of Europe. Bear in mind, in the 1800s, you had to be pretty tough to survive childhood. Only one in five babies survived to their 20s, and life expectancy was similar to that of your average Stark. <laughs> just kidding, it was actually about 30. Over the centuries, and London had seen its fair share of disease. The bubonic plague, or the Black Death, killed approximately 40% of the city's population in the 14th century, and then swept through the city again in the 1600s. 
People had begun to sort of think about disease causation, and they attempted to slow the progression of disease by killing all of the stray dogs. They were close, sort of. The bubonic plague was actually carried on the fleas on the rats, and by killing the dogs, they increased the rat populations. It's a bit counterintuitive. But by 1854, London was again in dire straits. People were dying by the hundreds. Popular thought at the time was, as previously mentioned, that cholera was spread by miasma, or bad air. No one had really made the connection between the heaving cesspools of human excrement pooling in the Thames and the subsequent consumption of the water. Enter Jon Snow. He did not know nothing. He knew something was up. Now we understand the mechanism of cholera. Strains of the Vibrio cholerae bacterium enter the cells via the small intestine, disrupting the delicate electrolyte balances and the transport channels that regulate the cell homeostasis. A mass exodus of sodium, chloride, potassium, and bicarbonate into the gut prompts water to follow. Profuse watery diarrhea ensues, and we're talking 10 to 20 litres a day. Cause of death, dehydration. Not a nice way to go. John Snow was a scientist, and he was a doctor. He'd already decided that the miasma theory didn't quite make sense, but didn't have a good explanation. Until Broad Street. A cholera epidemic in the Soho district of London drew John's attention. He talked to local residents, he took note of the number of cases of affected people and the severity of their disease, and charted the distribution of cases. Essentially, he displayed some of the fundamental principles of epidemiology before it even existed as a discipline. He discovered that most of the cases of cholera were within streets of the public water pump at Broad Street. By plotting the individual cases on a map and demonstrating the incidence of cases relating to the Broad Street pump water supply, John was actually able to convince the local parish to remove the handle of the pump. This simple act effectively ended the epidemic at Broad Street. Notably, John was unable to explain why there were no cases in the workers at a nearby brewery, the simple explanation being they only drank beer. <laughs> John Snow's research was controversial. Despite his very eloquent articles submitted to the medical journals of the time, the epidemic was eventually attributed to miasma, and the Broad Street pump handle was replaced again. In fact, John's work was not recognised until after he had died at the tender age of 45 from multiple stab wounds. <laughs> stroke, sorry, stroke. John Snow's early attempts to study the distribution and uncover the causation of disease were just the beginning of many advances and applications of epidemiology. Increasing understanding of sanitation and hygiene have been instrumental in not only making London a much nicer place to visit, but in improving life expectancy by over 50 years. Indeed, epidemiology has yielded some incredible advances in modern medicine, cures for polio and smallpox, understanding the socioeconomic determinants of health, and understanding the probabilities statistically of fatalities at weddings. They're all made possible by epidemiology. And all jokes aside, don't forget that cholera still kills hundreds of thousands of people every year. We now understand the disease, we can immunise against it, and we can even treat it. But death secondary to contaminated water is amongst one of the biggest killers of children in the third world. Luckily, the excellent work of the World Health Organization has provided one million cholera vaccines to at-risk populations in 2015, just one of the many public health interventions made possible by John Snow's discoveries over 150 years ago. 
So next time you sit on your Iron Throne, think of Jon Snow, <laughs> the father of modern epidemiology, not appreciated until after he was dead and not resurrected. Thank you.